Radio Chili Effect is sponsored by WallStreetWindow.com and listeners like you. And now, and now the, most, the most underrated voice in all, in all media, Chuck O'Chelly. July 27, 2023, allegedly, according to that thing we call a calendar. This is indeed the show you were looking for, because uh, you're hearing me say this. That's how I know that. Anyway, here we are on a Thor's Day. I've got Mike Swanson with me, the guy behind WallStreetWindow.com. Of course, you can be in the know. Go to WallStreetWindow.com. It is not just about Wall Street. And he's the author of uh, a bunch of interesting books, really. But two I like to focus on, The War State, that red book you see on the sidebar at Ocelli.com, and also is popping up in uh, some kind of new search engine thing. I don't know how that works, but it pops up uh, alongside of the Ocelli Effect logo with some sort of new image search. I I don't understand it. I'm not going to claim to. But either way, that red book where you see Eisenhower during his uh, farewell speech on the cover of it, The War State, authored by Mike Swanson, and Why the Vietnam War, uh, a book you hear ads for on here, and all that good stuff, uh, the first in a series of potentially three on that particular conflict containing information that I guarantee is rare. You're not going to see it everywhere. So, And Mike, with his uh, unique writing style and all that, also I advise go sign up for the mailing list at wallstreetwindow.com. You can get the morning headlines. It's not the rundown like J.P. Satilli, but uh, hell of an interesting resource and a way to collect yourself in the morning if you want to read your news instead of, I don't know, tuning to some talking head who's going to have the same argument in front of you over and over again, or listening to the radio. Do people listen to the radio anymore? <laughs> I know they do. We're on the radio apps. Anyway, welcome to Thor's Day. Mike Swanson, how you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing great. Great to talk with you. It is a good time to talk to you now. I've been watching some congressional hearings lately. Uh, certainly I was watching the uh, Judiciary Committee, all right, <laughs> and uh, Jim Jordan with his shirt off, uh, making his points. Lots of interesting stuff. Oh, by the by, uh, Hunter Biden's plea deal. Maybe there's something going on there. The headlines are a bit sketchy. Yes, indeed, that's all happening in the Dog and Pony Show continues, except to my disappointment, no dogs, no ponies, Uh, just dog and pony type shows happening in Congress. But there's also other things going on. Um, Larry Hancock's been on recently to talk about the UAP conference that I think I think is going on this weekend, come to think of it, uh, where, you know, academics are actually studying some of the history of what's gone on, the national security state's reaction to it, you know, very much like in his book, Unidentified, all that good stuff. But um, there are hearings going on, some things happening here regarding what used to be called UFOs. Uh, nowadays UAP, right? And, and I've been corrected a few times back and forth. Is it unidentified aerial phenomena or is it unidentified? I, I don't know. Either way, I know unidentified is the first part of it, and it's uh, meant to be the new way, the new nomenclature, so to speak, the new uh, linguistic approach to talking about things you might see in the sky that are not quite easily recognizable one way or another. And you told me that you've been watching some of these hearings uh, just before we went to air. So what, what is your takeaway? What do you get from that, Mike Swanson? Well, I, I haven't actually been watching them, but 
I got someone a few hours ago that emailed me about it, asking if I want to do an interview about it. And wait a minute, somebody emailed you and said, "Do you want to talk about the UFO stuff that's going on?" Like, how how did that conversation? Uh, uh, no offense, Mike. I don't usually think of you. As the UFO guy, the UAP guy, I mean, I, I know you you might be interested in those things a bit. A lot of us are tangentially interested one way or another, whether it's, you know, I'm interested in aliens and flying saucers, or I'm just curious about things that are in the sky that we can't identify one or the other. But I don't usually think of you that way. Or, or do you have some kind of secret interest in this I don't know about? No, I don't really have hardly any interest in it, honestly. Um, so was it weird that somebody <laughs> just emailed you? Like yeah, that yeah, yeah. So okay. what they did is they 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 say they have a podcast. I'm not going to name it because I don't want to talk bad about somebody, make it come off like I'm doing that. But uh, and they said they okay. want to know if I like to dis- discuss my book, The War State. In context of the hearings today, and okay. what they say appears to be rising tension between the legislative and executive branches regarding oversight of classified programs and technology. Mm. And they say that I'm an expert on the historical origins of the American national security state, so I could basically give my perspective on that. And they'd wanted to discuss the warning signs that Eisenhower and other why they said why he said military industrial complex, which is what the book is about, okay. how the Cold War is linked to that uh, secrecy and classified programs. But then they have this question: whether the current debates um, going on now about UFOs, UAPs, and unacknowledged special access programs? That's their phrase. Okay. Uh, but they, their question is whether that represents Congress reasserting its constitutional oversight role hmm. and how these hearings could, uh, could be uh, implying that the balance of power between the de- defense establishment and our elected representatives is changing. Hmm. And well, that's an interesting angle, Mike, because after all, look, one way or another, uh, access to classified documentation, exactly what is classified, what is not, uh, you know, the president's right to declassify, all these things have actually been stirring in the pot for the past couple of years in the public, right? Uh, and the changing of the guard in the House of Representatives and therefore the changing of people running these committees has certainly given us a different face and different arguments regarding FISA, right, Uh, the behavior of the investigative agencies, which, by the way, make no mistake, a lot of times when there is an investigation of something connected to UAPs, uh, often who is called? Well, the military and the FBI. So you have uh, different levels of classification that could go on there. Uh, You do have knowledge about the Pentagon's behavior. Uh, Like I said, that's why that's a great book from Larry. It's a little bit unconventional, uh, unidentified. Did you read that book? by the way 
I, I have it, but I haven't read it. Oh, I okay. Haven't read it. Well, but interesting stories in there about how, you know, th- there are odd things that have gone on uh, overhead and on the ground at, say, you know, some of the what should be the most secure uh, facilities in our military uh, uh, constructs, right, where nuclear weapons are stored, uh, where, you know, weapons are, are housed and, uh, like, missile silos, different facilities that are pretty sensitive, um, um, and uh, exactly how did the well, – yeah, go, go ahead. I, I would say, though, like this idea that the people are now going to – you got a hearing and you have a whistleblower and that, that this person supposed a whistleblower mm-hmm. and that means everything is changing. I don't buy that. In fact, I would say no matter – um, first of all, I'm just going to say one person talking and telling stories, mm-hmm. it's not enough information for me to really bother myself. You know, I want to see documented proof. I want to see a, a real investigation or something mm-hmm. with details. Just Congress having a hearing and a bunch of people saying things. Well, you know, that's happened before. Right. It doesn't mean it's always true. Well, we have it's seen. what they're saying. True, know? true. Absolutely true. But we also have seen, you know, some movement here where there's going to be now at least a reporting uh, mechanism so that, you know, when these anomalies occur or these anomalous events uh, take place, uh, that, that there's actually somebody to go to to collect that information. That's a change in recent years because for a long time, as Larry pointed out on the show, uh, that there was nobody to go to, right? Um, you, you could contact the Air Force or the FBI or whatever, but they didn't have a point of collection for this stuff. Um, and and who knows where it was actually going when things were being reported. We also got, in recent years, uh, some of these videos outside of the whistleblower, somebody showing up saying, hey, look, they're hiding stuff from you. I mean, the normal tug of war between what the public should and should not know is a very small aspect to what we're seeing now. Um, so I, I can see how you're, you're saying, look, there's not a lot happening here. But at the same time, maybe there is because well, we're at least seeing I, a change in behavior regarding reporting yeah, and collection. In yeah. the end, what's going to happen is Space Force is going to get more money. See, now that was my biggest question, and nobody likes the question, is, okay, is this really just an overall justification to fund Space Force, which was a laughable thing? I mean, we saw that emerge, uh, very reminiscent of the Star Trek logo, the new Space Force logo. You remember all that during the Trump administration, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, people thought it was – some people made fun of it, but now no one questioned it, and no one will – because they're going to be scared or think that, you know, maybe we just need this because of this unknown threat of what UAPs are. Well, In the White House, yeah. what I'm reading mm-hmm. today is the national um, – just go – is the National Security Council spokesman mm-hmm. said there may be life outside our planet. Well, sure, there might be. Right. And then he says, we don't know what the UAPs are. We don't know if they prove that the extraterrestrials are real. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's a way to tantalize the public. But in reality, once again, I mean, look, if there is something flying over our heads and we don't know what the origin is or who's in control of it, that does become a literal national security problem because forget, you know, the little green men that people are going to joke about. But, I mean, imagine that. And also this justifies a lot of military and other types of budgeting in the uh, government, right? Well, what if, say, the Russians, the Chinese, somebody else has technology that's so far ahead of ours that, uh, you know, it's not recognizable. It doesn't even appear to be real because it's, uh, you know, some sort of super tech, right? So we got to approach this and take it seriously. And perhaps, again, this is another justification to fund things like Space Force, which, again, did seem to be a joke. Yes. And it's not always about aliens, but if you shake people up a little and get them thinking about that kind of stuff, well, what would we do in the case that there is a hostile something coming to see us? Um, and, and that's the thing is so far hostility has not been established. And the fact that some things are remaining unknown because they don't know how to classify it. They don't know where it came from, where it went to, uh, who created the technology, etc. That means that they got to do something, right, Mike? I mean, this is how you justify these agencies getting funded, how you justify sure. uh, brand new studies, whole new agencies being created sometimes. Maybe we need a study of UAP's office, uh, so to speak. Now, I find this funny at exactly the time when, uh, you know, Mitch McConnell is freezing up on camera. Uh, you know, apparently he had a fall earlier this year that maybe they didn't report on. Biden's trying to keep his dog from biting people. I mean, and it's a weird week, but, you know, why not? Here we go. Let's talk about aliens, because at least that'll capture people's imaginations and maybe forget them, you know, and get them to forget that it's almost impossible to feed yourself when you go to the grocery store, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I know that's a mouthful, but true or false, isn't this the kind of thing that sometimes happens? You capture the American public's imagination with something. You justify funding. I mean, you remember Star Wars, uh you know, literally what they called Star Wars at one point, the yeah. uh, the uh, Space Defense Initiative, right, the SDI, Reagan era, you and I were kids. But, I mean, that was a fully justifiable thing because, guess what, there might be uh, a need for space weaponry so we can keep up with people. I mean, this is how they justified MK Ultra. This is how they justify many different operations, the money funding development of new weapons, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, in context, this is an important issue, is it not? Mike, but yeah, but we're not going <laughs> to, the problem is I don't think we're going to, we don't have any real information. The public or the government? Maybe both. <laughs> oh, hey, fair enough. I, I asked the open question. I'm not trying to lead you. Uh, you know, yeah, maybe both. Right. Do, do we, what do we know and when did they know it? Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I think there's a potential here that the government knows a hell of a lot more and they're throwing out this other stuff to not get us to even go anywhere near what they truly know. You know, hey, look, we will admit that our Navy pilots have filmed some stuff and we'll admit that our, our people are seeing things and we'll admit that there's been some incidents now, even though we didn't used to. Uh, maybe that's being thrown out to capture people's imagination because there's a much darker truth that's being hidden behind that. I mean, is that's a possibility as well, right? Oh, sure. That makes a lot of sense. 
Or again, the the other the otherworldly thing. Just like with the JFK assassination, I always, if I want to really screw up somebody's mind who's really intense about it and not really well informed, uh, I, I try and present to them the possibility. You know, oh, what do you think? Is the government covering it up? Did they do it? Blah blah blah. I go, well, how about this? For instance, how about if nobody actually knows what happened? I mean, literally, nobody knows. The people that you know were involved in the crime are long dead. And the tracks were fully covered, and nobody will know, nobody does know, and it isn't a matter of covering up a truth that's being held back. It's a matter of the the, the truth being held back is they don't actually know what happened still 60 years later, and that hurts some people's heads, <laughs> you know. Um, how about this? A uh, hundred years of, of UFO sightings at least documented. Maybe they don't know crap about what happened there either. You know, on any of these counts. I mean, uh, Roswell was, uh, what year was Roswell? I can't remember now, but 19, uh, it was somewhere. I think it was in the 40s, actually. Yeah, like just around near the end of World War II. 48 or 46 or something. I'm going to go take a look and see when when the Roswell incident was, and and that would be the modern day launching. 47. Of the fascination. That was 47? Okay. Yep. Uh, but but either way, that, that would be the modern day launching of the uh, interest, right? And well, that's why I'm just I'm just extremely skeptical because, you know, I, I don't believe that was real. You know, the Roswell incident, as far as being an alien. Um, well, I was going to say, what do you mean you don't mean you don't believe it was real? You don't think it was actually an alien? Do you think it really was a weather balloon? Do you think it was an experimental? Yeah, I think it's probably a weather balloon. I think it might have been an experimental piece of something, you know, that they didn't want people to look at very carefully. Yeah, that that, that would could be. I don't think of spacemen, but yeah, what you're saying mm-hmm. could be possible too. Sure. A quick look at, uh, you know, just... Not, your, maybe not a weather balloon, but a spy balloon. Look, we just had the spy balloon panic a few months ago about the China balloon floating over the United States. Everyone went into a panic. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about that, is that, you know, as, as antiquated as balloons seem to be, and I even said that at the time, weird, it seemed like almost nobody knew what the potential was for whatever that thing could do. The total <laughs> you know? terror some people were in. Yeah, and and our government did not seem to have a handle on it. They seemed a little confused, right? I mean, this thing made it uh, across a lot of land, you know, before uh, it was eventually taken down. And just for the record, you're correct, July 1947, uh, there was some stuff recovered that was metallic uh, debris and stuff like that. Um, well, yeah. do you remember the story of Betty and Barney Hill? I, that name is very familiar, but but tell me about it. So they, they were. Let me look up the year, the exact year. It was in the sixties. Okay. Uh, Betty, I'm sorry, Betty and Barney. I think it was. I think I said Benny. Uh, let me see what year this happened. 1961. So, like the whole UFO thing that we grew up with was. These stories about people getting abducted and probed, um, you know, taken to the space saucers or whatever, and the greys would look at them with their big eyes and, and probe them, basically molest people, mm-hmm. more or less. And then they would show up naked, you know, on the road or something, be dropped off by the spacemen, and they wouldn't have any memory of what happened, 
and they'd have to go see a psychiatrist or something, and then they'd remember what happened. And I mean, there are multiple stories like this. Uh, there's some movie made, two or three movies made about it. Communion. Well, the biggest one was Fire in the Sky. Fire in the Sky came after Communion. Yeah. Communion, though, was a best-selling book mm. and then made into a movie. Uh, but anyway, these stories were ones that were kind of big in the 80s, but the original version of this is the Betty and Barney Hill story. Okay. And they told the story in 1961. They're out in the countryside somewhere driving, and when they got back home, they noticed that they had lost a couple hours of their life that they couldn't account for. Right. You know, and then they ended up seeing a psychiatrist, and under intense hypnosis, um, they told they they remembered um, supposedly that the spaceship landed in front of their truck or car or whatever when they're going down the road mm-hmm. and they got out and one of them was taken up in the ship i think it was the the man and basically you know put on an operating table and molested by the aliens that's what i that's what they're to me that's what they're describing well if you don't mind and even though i hate wikipedia i almost feel like they did a good synopsis i can read sure. from that real quickly uh just to lay it out and and it's interesting because remember these are tropes now and uh, not you mike but the listener these are tropes now that that really carried on through the 70s 80s and 90s that were extremely common you know uh even jokes in pop culture right if you're yeah. down south somewhere on a fishing boat and you're probably going to get abducted, you know, uh, like a, a southern, uh, uh, you know, sort of hicks getting getting abducted, right, all the time. Uh, that was like a, a comedy trope. You could see it on The Simpsons and comedy skits and stuff. Anyway, back to the original incident, according to Wikipedia now, and I've dropped that link in the uh, live chat room at Ocelli.com, so I'm going to read from it briefly. Uh, Barney and Betty Hill were an American couple who claimed they were abducted by extraterrestrials in a rural portion of the state of new hampshire now let me pause for a second now this is in new hampshire and most of these things occurred in rural areas it was most often thought of to be like you know arkansas and louisiana and places like georgia uh places like that but always in these like rural areas okay not heavily populated areas back to it they were from the state of new hampshire from september 19 to to 20 of 1961, uh, and that's when they claimed the abduction was. The incident came to be called the Hill Abduction, in quotes, and the Zeta uh, Reticuli Incident. Okay. Oh, is that the name of the aliens? Well, it, it says, because two ufologists connected the star map shown to Betty Hill with the Zeta Reticuli system. Okay. Okay. Their story was uh, adapted into a best-selling 1966 book, The Interrupted Journey, and the 1975 television film, The UFO Incident. Most of Betty Hill's notes, tapes, and other items have been placed in the permanent collection of the University of New Hampshire, her alma mater. In July 2011, the New, the New Hampshire Division of Historical Resources marked the site of the alleged craft's first approach with a historical marker. The Hill story was widely published in books and movies. And then it goes on, you know, with UFO Encounter and different uh, different things, you know, their their history a little bit and so on and so forth, as Wikipedia does, background, so on. Um, 
But these incidents, these became a common thing. It was even, again, like another pop culture joke where the daytime TV shows, your Geraldos, your uh, Phil Donahue's, right? Uh, the trashier uh, shows that, that mimicked Phil Donahue. Um, but you can, yeah. the, the, the point I make, yeah, that you, you, everything you describe is absolutely correct. Yeah. It's just, I, I'm pretty certain that their story, that, you know, 1960, what was it, one? Is that what we were saying? 1961 is when the incident occurred, yeah. Yeah, this this 1961 story incident, <laughs> however you want to phrase it, but it happened in 1961. Before They were the very first people to ever start, tell a story about being abducted, losing their memory, being probed, molested, and so forth. There was a story... Uh, I, I'll tell you. I mean, I, I'll tell you. I have no interest in this stuff. But as a child, I was. I don't. I don't. I didn't really believe it. But I was. I would read a lot of these books about the UFOs. That's well, how you, I know. You know, found it interesting. Uh, look, yeah, yeah, there's nothing wrong stuff. with it. As a kid, you found it interesting. Yeah. And the truth is, this is the first one that got a lot of attention. Yeah, it got huge attention. Yeah. But before them, there were. You know. Really is right after World War Two. Mm-hmm. There was a wave of UFO sightings, right? And, but they were different. Like I think, if I remember correctly, the very first story of someone going up in a UFO um, it was right after, like, you know, right months after the war. And at the time, you know, there's one theory that there is all these mass. UFO sightings because people are scared of nuclear bombs, mm. and cause, which they were new. You know, they're scared of nuclear war, Armageddon, and so at the time, immediately after the war, the all the stories I know of of people encountering aliens in person, you know, were that the aliens were friendly and that they looked like people. So, like, there's a story where someone says they got invited into a spaceship and they went up and the people said they were from Venus. Mm-hmm. And they, like, went there and flew around and it was like a and, – and they looked like people, you know, humans. And it was like a party and they came back home and, you know, whatever, told, told their story. And they, But the Betty and Barney Hill story – these aliens were vicious and I mean hell I mean this is creatures from hell and um, and they were the first ones as far as I know of to tell that story which is the story that dominated in in the in our when we were young in the 1980s and mm-hmm. obviously this was a huge story in the 60s and the 70s right. it must have probably faded away and then was revived by different people. Uh, I guess when when we were teenagers or whatever. Well, look, I, I'm at uh, jstor.org just to take a look at a, a piece on this particular information, and I'll just read from the abstract real fast. I'll put this link in the chat room also. Uh, but this is an interesting uh, attempt to do an academic job on collecting the information. Uh, first person reports this is from the abstract. Um, 
And I'll I'll post that in in just a second. First-person reports of abductions by UFO occupants have grown in number during the past few years uh, and constitute an unusually well-structured legend type. These accounts share many motives with legends of supernatural encounters and otherworldly journeys, but reconcile the fantastic elements with a supposedly alien technology to settle comfortably among the rest of of UFO lore. Now, let me pause for a second. Remember that we were also confronted with those talk shows showing us, you know, yes, I was abducted, this and that, but also cattle mutilations. That was a big thing. Um, I don't hear about those anymore. Yeah. But seemingly strange cattle mutilations where, like, all the blood had been. And I know you and I were probably reading the same things as kids. It was everywhere uh, in the 70s and 80s. Anyway. The Journal of American Folklore, uh, the Quarterly Journal of American Folklore Society since the Society's founding in 1888, publishes scholarly articles, essays, notes, and commentaries directed to a wide audience as well as separate sections devoted to reviews of books. Okay, this is about the journal that this is printed in. I'm skipping around a bit, but I find this interesting that... Uh, there are people talking about this, and there are actually attempts to study this uh, from a uh, an academic point of view to collect them together because there are common elements that start emerging. And it is highly suspect in my mind that uh, this stuff starts to happen a lot right around World War II, uh, the, the conclusion of World War II, where the beginning of the Cold War is happening. So a paranoia is there. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, Russians are aliens or anything, but... An outside threat that could emerge from the sky, right? We had been treated to the air raid kind of concept, the fact that there was that civil air defense, right, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, on the West Coast, they talked about, you know, turning out the lights and stuff. Uh, World War Two. again, this is before our era. So it's a different time, to put it in context, when this gets started. But it didn't stop for quite a long time. This continued on and on. Many people reporting they'd been abducted, this and that. And then, of course, you can get into the arguments about false memory syndrome because we also got treated to the descriptions about how these people would go to psychiatrists, psychologists, and they, they would have to get it out of them. Under hypnosis, they would find out about the aliens. But a consistent thing was happening there with the loss of time, all that stuff all comes in this package. So it's not just a matter of, hey, the aliens came and grabbed me and stuck something up my butt. End of story. Although anal probing, another big joke, right, Mike? That that's always been one of the big jokes. Did they did they anally probe you? The you know the the, the first uh, South Park episode to ever air involves aliens probing Cartman. Uh, I'm just saying it becomes a pop culture and a subculture mythos that has some consistent elements to it. And uh, I just put the journal article in the live chat room at ocelli.com. Sorry, I just wanted to fill that all in. What are your no, thoughts no, on this though? Perfect. Yeah, go ahead. Well, as far as I'm concerned. There's there's a famous psychiatrist, Carl Jung. I mean, you know, I think I mean he's one of the big, most important psychiatrists of the of the 20th century. He came up with the idea of a collective unconscious. Mm-hmm. Like that was, a, I think he coined that phrase. But he wrote a book. I'm not. I'm trying to find when it was. Maybe in the 50s. Probably in the 50s. But about the UFOs, and it was called flying saucers. That's what they were in the 40s, flying saucers. Right. Um, 
And his whole theory was that people were just so disturbed by World War II and, and, and the atomic bomb that what they were doing and, and the loss of faith in religion mm-hmm. because of everything that happened, I suppose. Uh, some people lost faith in uh, society and just, you know, all kinds of things. Um, and that for some of these people, the UFO and the alien could save us. You know, hmm. by, I mean, and there's entire movies like uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still, which was a, one of the biggest movies about science fiction movies in the 1950s. It, the whole story is as this, the, the man comes in a flying saucer, right. parks in front of Washington, D.C., comes out, and uh, the army comes around. I think they try to shoot him, and they, they fail at that. And, and it's all about him telling them, you're going to blow up the world if you keep doing this crap. And maybe it would, you know, it's a good, you know, if if only that was real, you know, that was a real thing. Someone could come down and do that. But, well, and this goes well, in that, all. That's, a, that's yeah. a movie. <laughs> well, well, true, true. Look, and this goes in all different directions, Mike, because I think the, the idea, the fear of this, you know, the, the great communist threat, the invisible enemy that you got to worry about. And the fact that uh, people were taught to look overhead and be afraid and duck and cover, be ready for the weapons. Uh, certainly, that's another thing that people have brought in play here, where it's like maybe they could be the great savior of course they would be technologically more advanced they might be more intelligent uh if they're that intelligent maybe they don't want to bother with us you know because we're, we're still savage animals all that okay i get that and then we get into you know stuff like project blue beam where you know people have claimed that uh, one day they were going to uh, uh conduct an alien invasion right but a fake one they were going to create a fake alien invasion to get the whole world to comply. Uh, some people have looked at this as a way to unify humanity. Even, see, now I can get right into Star Trek if I want to. Gene Roddenberry's overall vision of a unified Earth. Now, some people look at that as, oh, that's the new world order. But other people say, once we learn that there were other creatures out there, other planets, uh, we kind of figure out that, hey, you know what, we're actually all together on this one planet. Maybe we should work together more, uh, you know, and worry about those guys out there because we have no idea where they're coming from, but at least we can speak common languages here. At least we're the same kind of animals and creatures here. Uh, who knows what the hell's out there? Maybe for our own defense. And, and again, that was another reason to justify Space Force. But I'm saying this goes all over the place. I don't know too many people that, uh, that thought about it as, uh, as a kid, thinking about it, Mike. I don't remember uh. people that thought about the aliens as... Uh, these saviors that were going to show up. I know some movies did that and whatnot, but mostly I saw people be more afraid. You know, what would happen? They could take us out. Mars attacks. The young theory, I think, is right after World War. I think the belief in the aliens or what they are changes over time. And I think his argument that people thought that they could be good and saviors, I think that was actually commonplace right after World War II. That might have been a weird idea then, but I think as the times change, yeah, as the time changes, it get people become more scared of them. People adapt it into different things. I mean, think back to yeah. War of the Worlds, right, where people did actually panic a little bit after that radio broadcast. That's you know what, uh, fifteen years before the end of World War Two, right? That that was going on, and people bought it 
some people did. People were legitimately afraid thinking this was really happening. Um, so, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and generally speaking, when you look at these movies, uh, you know, it is more of the Twilight Zone thing. Hey, we're here to serve man. Yeah, it's a cookbook. Um, you know what I'm saying? I mean, from the Twilight Zone on to, hey, maybe the aliens are our good friends. Oh, no, they're fattening us up because they're going to eat us. Some movies, they want to take all our water. Uh, somebody mentioned in the chat room, by the way, that uh, Zeta Reticuli was also the star solar system in the original Alien movie that Ridley Scott used in the first movie in 1979. Uh, it was paying homage to the... Uh, first UFO stories. Okay, this is what they say here. I'm reading from the chat room. Uh, the jet age began in 1947. This was probably a reason for sightings. Jet, jets were sci-fi. Yeah, well, think about that too, Mike, right? Jet engines, the incredible speed at which they right. were able to fly. If nobody ever saw one of those before, I know that, uh, when, when an occasional jet Ended up in the uh, in in the German Luftwaffe, uh, mixed in with their formations. It freaked out some of our guys that were flying Mustangs, right? So you know, and and those are pilots used to seeing things in the air. When the guy on the ground sees this thing woof, whip by real fast, it might have seemed like, oh my God, that's something like totally alien, because we only had planes for thirty, forty years before that, right? So. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of different ways to break this down. Um, but the alien abduction thing I always thought was a little different. And, and of course, yes, we can get into the psychology of false memory syndrome and da-da-da and how much manipulation under hypnosis actually takes place. And then again, maybe there were some people that were just seeking attention that, you know, were, were almost like, you know, Jerry Springer. They didn't quite let people beat each other up on TV yet. So this is the way you got on TV from the trailer park back then. Uh, stuff like that, Mike, right? I mean, all of this is part of this discussion. Meanwhile, we started with congressional hearings, and now we're on to this. <laughs> but, well, no, yeah, I mean, it is, it is, yeah, I mean, I'll connect it to uh, congressional hearings. So here's a little fact. Fa I'm going, got a list of them to, to, yeah, I haven't thought about this stuff in so long. Excellent. So, well, I, I was buying okay, time. I was I, buying time for you to go look stuff uh -huh. up. But I, I was just saying, I was buying time for you to go look stuff up. That was part of what I was just doing. Go ahead. So, yeah, 19, <laughs> there's, there's several... Key, really key incidences that happened in 1946 and 1947. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the one I was talking about, the guy goes up the ship and comes down to go to Venus. That's when that happened. But there was interesting. Here's a here's a connection uh, of someone we we your listeners may know of okay. the Murray Island incident. That was in 1947. Oh, the Murray. Murray Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So you're gonna tell that whole story. Not the whole thing. I just, but that go for it. That involved. Right. That's in Washington State, um, and that's the one with Fred Crisman, who later becomes a suspect or figure of interest in the Kenny assassination during the Garrison investigation. But the funny thing, he was a um, he was uh, investigating the thing. And he claimed that men in black told him to stop investigating. Mm -hmm. So he's the guy, this Fred Crisman, who invented the men in black 
story. He's the first guy to come out with the the story about these mysterious men in black. And again, yeah. that's a whole other area of folklore where men in black don't just show up because of aliens, by the way, and and they don't look like Will Smith. Uh, just saying, <laughs> okay. But they show up and they're weird not even fully human uh, in a lot of accounts, right? They're very strange. You have this uh, other problem with time dilation. People lose time. People, they, they can't identify them. They they seem to be, I'm not sure what the guy looked like. They all look the same. And and they were weird. They there, there was noises I heard, and they acted very strangely. And they seemed to disappear as soon as they appeared. They didn't drive away, you know, all kinds of weird stuff like that, right? I mean, in these accounts over the years. Yeah, and I'm reading about the Murray Island incident. It says that that is where the term flying saucer was coined. <laughs> so this guy, Raymond, uh, what's his name? Raymond All, Kenneth Arnold. Kenneth Arnold, yeah. He claimed he saw a saucer flying past Mount Rainier at 1,200 miles an hour. And that it opened up, and it began to eject thousands of, it doesn't really understand, it doesn't make sense to me, what's, what seemed like thousands of newspapers from, from spewing out outside of it, and it came down to the earth, and it turned out there were pieces of metal that resembled rocks. And he was in a boat, This the guy that... um saw this and, and the rocks hit his boat and killed a dog uh -huh. and Fred Chris this is what Fred Crisman investigated this this is the Murray Island incident yeah no I and by the way if somebody said uh, in the chat room Fred Crisman was the man in black I didn't say that what I what I said was that Crisman invented that story let me read to you from something I have here though if you don't mind again yeah uh, go ahead just to add to this, because on MuckRock, okay, MuckRock.com, and I put, the again, the link in the uh, chat room at Ocelli.com. I'll try and include this stuff with the show notes. Uh, but there's some interesting stuff here with snippets of documents from this article, which is titled, FBI's Real-Life, Quote, X-Files, End Quote, Documents. Strange Connection Between UFOs and the JFK Assassination, okay? A uh, rare glimpse inside Bureau's Security, quote, in Security Matter X, end quote, files show the investigation of Fred Lee Chrisman and his tales of flying saucers, okay? Uh, a version of this article appeared on Glamour Disclosure. Okay. Years ago, I heard rumors about, this is from that article, years ago, I heard rumors about some of the FBI's older files, and the author here is uh, Emma North-Best, older files, which were curiously labeled SM-X or Security Matter X. Like the X-Files, these dealt with some strange topics. The two examples I was told about were FBO, were UFIs, U, excuse me, <laughs> UFOs and L. Ron Hubbard. This, of course, was too strange or not uh, file a FOIA request for, but the FBI denied being able to find the records. For obvious reasons, I wasn't eager to begin a big fight over the existence of secret files on alien invasions based on a rumor, so I took a different route, requesting the FBI file for one of the people involved in a lot of strange stories, including the Maury Island incident, cited as an example of one of the SMX files. And 
it paid off. Now, there's a snippet of a memorandum here uh, in the article, and I'll go back to it. The man's name was Fred Lee Chrisman, and he's every bit as weird a character from the X-Files throughout his life. Chrisman appeared in at least half a dozen conspiracy theories and stories of high weirdness. One of his earliest strange stories apparently involved freeing himself from a cave in Burma during World War II, where he was held by, quote, evil underground creatures, end quote. From there, the stories around him just get stranger. The story of Chrisman and Security Matter X begins with the aforementioned Maury Island incident, an alleged UFO sighting and crash that occurred about a month before the events at Roswell. According to various versions of the legend, Maury Island involved one or more UFOs that either dropped something or disintegrated, the fragments of which damaged Chrisman's boat, killed a dog, just like Mike said, and then in parentheses, according to some versions, and parentheses, hurt someone subsequently. Chrisman and Harold Dahl, the other apparent witness, were approached by, quote, men in black, end quote, one of the instances that helped popularize the legend. The story then gained additional coverage when a government plane crashed. A plane which was said to be carrying fragments from the Maury Island incident. The FBI file on Chrisman indicates that the Bureau quickly determined the matter was a hoax. Though the file is careful to note that Dahl, quote, did not admit that his story was a hoax, but only stated that if questioned by the authorities, he was going to say it was a hoax because he did not want any further trouble over the matter, end quote. Okay, and uh, then there's a snippet from a file here, FBI Seattle 8-14-47, which is the date, and uh, anyway, 5.15 p.m. Here's uh, what this uh, snippet shows. Flying discs cited by Fred Chrisman and Harold A. Dahl, uh, Tacoma, Washington, SMX, uh, Ruritel instance date. Okay, I don't know what that means exactly. Please be advised that Dahl did not admit to Smith that his story was a hoax, but only stated that if questioned by authorities, he was going to say it was a hoax because he did not want any further trouble over the matter. Complete report now en route to Bureau, AMSD, which indicates probably Chrisman or Dahl made the anonymous phone call in the hope of building up their story through publicity to a point where they could make a profitable deal with uh, fantasy magazine, Chicago, Illinois. Dahl and Chrisman will not be re-interviewed unless advised to the, and then something is uh, crossed out here, contrary by the Bureau, Wilcox. A and hold, please. Okay. Uh, the next portion of the article reads, The Air Force denied responsibility for the sightings and asserted there were no credible reports of flying disks in the area. The FBI's investigation agreed with this and concluded that the plane was definitely not carrying parts of a disk. That's about the plane crash. Uh, the memo cited above is labeled copies destroyed, and although it was written the same day of the memo the, stating that Dahl did not admit the matter was a hoax, an attached memo states that both Dahl and Chrisman admitted there were no disks. <laughs> According to this memo, the materials found by Chrisman and Dahl were simply, quote, strange rock formations, end quote. They found in a gravel pit on Maury Island, and that Dahl wrote a false letter claiming the material came from a flying disk. 
and that they had been paid to say as much. <laughs> this version of events is also memorialized in a statement signed by Chrisman and given to the FBI. Again, I, I, I'll give you the uh, link to this in the live chat room at Ocelli.com. There's more in the article, but I find this interesting. Okay, uh, that this is uh, what goes down here. And, of course, Chrisman does have a uh, fascinating history, uh, JFK assassination and otherwise, of making some extraordinary claims. But, again, often we find that those claims are not easily backed by this little troublesome thing called evidence. Um, Mike, so I know I probably just bored you to death with that and took up a bunch of time, but uh, I thought it was good for the context well, of what you're talking that, about. That's Sorry. one problem I have with these Almost all these characters that tell these stories, mm-hmm. the, uh, B- 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 Betty and Barney Hill are an exception, but almost all of them have some strange uh, background in the defense industry. Yeah, background in the defense industry, some weird angle where they're trying to make money with it. Um, there's yeah. only yeah, there's only like a couple of them that are like just legitimate everyday people. That if you don't, you know, you, you track them down and you find out, like you said, they're connected to the defense industry. They're connected to, uh, you know, other weird circumstances. You know, turns out the same guy that says he was abducted also got knocked down by Bigfoot, you know. Uh, I mean, weird stuff all the time with these things. And um, this is why I don't usually cover it on the show, to be honest with you. I don't cover much of this stuff. Occasionally I'll get into it, but I don't cover it on the show because most of the time I find it to be silly. Uh, you know, it's weird. You know, Guy Bannister is tied to that Maury Island thing, too, because I think he was actually. <laughs> so, well, he was. He, he had been part of that investigation somehow. I, I Memory is not serving me as to exactly how he was. I think you're right. I think you're right. But Guy Bannister was somehow tied to that investigation. I mean, he might have just been in charge of some agent that was dispatched to do something or mm-hmm. whatever. Because remember, he had been an FBI agent uh, out of Chicago, right? So, you know, I'm just saying. Weird stuff goes on with a lot of these cases. And for a little while, there, there were people popping up all over the place. You know, they would lose track of time. And then, uh, you know, they disappear for two days. And I, I thought a lot of times it was, you know, some old good old boy uh, uh, trying to cover up the fact that he had been running around on his wife, you know, got drunk and lost track of days and shows up two days later. Well, honey, I couldn't <laughs> well, have made someone, it home. Somebody, I'm just reading about the Crisman guy. Yeah. Someone's made a cartoon comedy out of him. Yeah. Okay, where where's that at? <laughs> it's called Fred Crisman Cave of the Space Nazis. It is <laughs> Okay. Well, it's, it's the, the description of it so I'll have to watch it, but it says this. The the first scene sees Fred Crisman broadcasting from a radio. He tells his listeners he was not involved in the Kenny assassination, saying, I could never have performed such a stunt alone. Well, okay. Get, and then he says, this is a real I protected thing. the yeah. earth from aliens. I protected saying, If you yeah. doubt me, if you don't believe that I protected the world from the aliens, and I simply ask you, where are they? I don't see any here. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, okay. And and I just went over to IMDb really quick to check this out because yeah, IMDb is a good it. resource. And, um, yeah, Fred Christman, Volume 1, apparently, <laughs> Cave of the Space Nazis, uh, is a uh, – let's see. What, can we get the synopsis here? Um, 
Let's see. Writers, direct, director is uh, Brian uh, Shickley, which I think somehow I've run across him before. Anyway, there's a whole cast and crew, and it's apparently a short animation <laughs> starring a character made, fashioned after Fred Christman. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine what they I, – I did not know that they made this stuff. Apparently it was made in 2022, by the way. Uh, so people are still interested in this. Um, let's see. Uh, there's his Wikipedia page, Film Freeway. I'm, I'm looking to see if I can get a quick synopsis, like a really good one. Um, Space Nazis written by blah, blah, blah. Okay. Let's see if this gives me a good quick synopsis. Uh, Joseph's Midwest Weird Fest Shorts Reviews. Okay, here's a review of it. Um Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's that whole thing that was mentioned in that article previous that he had made a claim that he escaped from, uh, you know, <laughs> the evil creatures that were holding him captive, uh, the evil uh, aliens that were from, what did he say, Venus? Was it Venus, Mike? Uh, I can't I can't remember. It doesn't matter. You know what? <laughs> because I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was Venus was another story I was talking about. Oh, was that another? I'm sorry, I might have mixed it. Up. Anyway, they were from another planet and they held him captive in a cave. Uh, but again, he's also tied to uh, some pretty fantastical stories regarding the Kennedy assassination. I don't know how anybody takes a guy like this seriously, uh, but but they do. Uh, is he somebody that was clearly involved with some disinformation agents? I think so, and I think this is. Part of the fun and games that goes on. Plus, you know, don't forget, what was the primary way that they used to criticize Warren Commission critics, right? And people that were, like, when I first started to really look into the Kennedy assassination, right? I was still a teenager, Mike. Were, were you looking into it back then, by the way, as a teenager? Uh, when I was like 14 or 13. Okay, so you started with a casual interest. You and I, really, a parallel universe here. You and I uh, could have hung out because I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, this is when I started to look at it. And in 1988, let me get this straight, I guess I'm 16 and 19. When At the age of 16 is when I got serious, around the 25th anniversary, because there was stuff on TV and there was stuff on the radio and there was just a lot of yeah. information out there in magazines. And I got really into it. So that's when I got in. When I got in, though, one of the main attacks, and for probably a decade and a half, uh, until after Oliver Stone's film had set in and we got the records review board and stuff, what was one of the main things that always came up, right? Oh, you believe in that Kennedy, JFK conspiracy right, stuff, right? right? Like on the X-Files. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, there you go, Mulder, you're on the grassy knoll again, right? But what they used to say to us is... Well, you believe that Kennedy wasn't killed by Oswald? I bet you believe in what? Little green men. They always put the aliens right along with Kennedy. It's like, I didn't bring up aliens. I'm talking about, you know, actual... No, nope, uh, yeah, you're one of those wacky people. Isn't that funny? That it seems like that was the design. Just like when we saw the memo where, you know, stop calling these people Warren Commission critics, start calling them conspiracy theorists to undermine the fact that they don't have any of the facts. That's what you're supposed to do. That was the directions given to the media. You remember that document, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but what I'm saying is, is that the nomenclature shifts around, the phrasing and the labeling shifts around, and this is the way things are done. This is the business of propaganda in the modern age they attach labels to you and those labels imply connections to other things and therefore guess what 
you're this, you're now that. You know, if you're a liberal in certain circles, then you're the root of all evil. If you're, uh, you know, against uh, Joe Biden and you're complaining about him, you must be a Trumper. And therefore, you're somebody who's against this and against that. And you believe they make all sorts of assertions off of a very simple jumping off point and then attach you to 18 different things. And one wonders why that formula is exactly the same. I I don't wonder. I see it. People are given those marching orders. You're told. You're directed. You're fed that information constantly. They repeat it enough, and they tell you, if this, then that. If you believe that Kennedy wasn't killed by Oswald, like our good and proper government told us, then you believe in little green men. Okay? Then you don't believe in this. You are un-American. If you think that there's any question about the, uh, you know, 19 angry guys with box cutters taking down two buildings in New York City, if you question that, you're unpatriotic. You hate America. They always do this, Mike, where they attach some other thing that may not necessarily be true. I got to tell you, I stand in in a position of saying to myself that realistically, there is very likely other life in the universe, right? Just mathematically, it makes sense to me that there is other life in the universe besides this one little ball that we're on. And yes, I do think the Earth's round, not flat. Let's not go there. But Forget if it's a ball. Let's just call it a rock. Mike, we're all on this rock here. I think there's life elsewhere. Now, do I think they're coming down and visiting people and uh, rectally examining us? And not necessarily. Do I think they've come down to mutilate cows and they've come to, I don't know, get the cream of the crop to examine and figure out how human beings work? realistically would a race of aliens do that they might they might look at us as zoological animals that's a possibility it is a possibility but has it actually been happening are the people's stories that tell it true i'll tell you another thing um an interesting theory that comes up and i'm I'm gonna throw this at you and then i'm gonna let you run with whatever it is you want and i think we'll probably you know either close this out or go to a break real quick and give people our final thoughts after it because I, I, I we probably exhausted everything you wanted to talk about but food for thought i knew some people that they described certain things that were in their memories and i feel like they did describe that this this weird space that your memory can get into when you've been anesthetized and you're in like i've had a couple of surgeries have you ever woken up during a surgery mike had a surgery where you woke up no not no okay well i have not when i woke up during it okay well i have and I've had surgeries where, believe me, it's just like, wait a minute, what happened? I blinked, and I don't realize that, you know, I've been under anesthesia for eight hours, right? Uh, or, or three, four hours, whatever it was. Uh, you know, like, snap of the fingers, I'm just waking back up. Like, when I had my throat surgery, I remember them starting the count on the anesthesia, and we got all the way to one. We were counting backwards from ten. They were a little surprised that we got to one. But the next thing I knew, I was in my room, despite the fact that I was told that I had been awake previous to that and taken some actions. Actually, I struck a nurse coming out of anesthesia uh, uh, because I felt as though I was threatened. I don't recall any of that, but I do recall coming partially conscious during anesthesia before. 
and you could see things in a lot of weird ways. You might see people with big blurry heads, you know, and if they've got white masks and white hats on and stuff like that, maybe the whole head looks pretty white or gray, blurry gray. It could seem like that. And some of those experiences sound like something like that is in their memories one way or another. But why in the hell would, you know, like some of the people that we've seen them abduct, like I don't know the background on uh, uh, Bill and, uh, oh, my God, Bill and Betty, was it, that we were talking about? Yeah, before? that's right. I don't know their backgrounds. Or Betty and Barney. Betty and Barney, I'm sorry. Betty and Barney, I don't know their, their backgrounds. But some of the people that I used to see on TV – I would always look at them and say, if I were an alien to come down, I would not pick these people to examine. They they don't seem to be. <laughs> what would be interesting about them to examine them? They're not smart. They're not pretty. They're not anything. They're not exceptional. You can tell that right away. Like, what would an alien want with these people? Anyways, I'm just saying it's a very weird subject. It's interesting. And here's the thing. I'm very skeptical of most people's stories, but I do believe there's life out there. Not sure if they're anally probing us. (laughs) Okay. Not sure if I buy most of the stories, famous or not so famous. But it is an interesting phenomena, and it has been consistent for, well, quite a while. I I think these things did exist before World War II. Uh, but I think in the in the age of mass media, it's it's uh, the awareness of it has grown just like anything else, and it did grow during that time period. I think because as technology has emerged too, that has also sort of created shock among people. So I think all of those things culminate together to create what in some cases is a mass delusion, and yet. You know, there, there's stuff like the, the incident over uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, there were incidents over cities in Mexico where thousands of people witnessed some pretty interesting things in the sky. You know, some of the triangles, the weird formations. I mean, I'm sure you've seen some of those, right, where there's actually videos now that have emerged to show some of these mass sightings that clearly occurred. They don't look normal. They don't appear to be airplanes of any kind. Strange things have happened. And can we explain it all or could we solve it all today? Absolutely not. Does our government really know what the hell's going on? I don't know. Is it possible they don't have a clue and they just want to keep us busy with anything else so that we don't realize that they've got zero clue as to what's actually going on over our heads? Maybe they're just covering their incompetence with anything at all that'll grab your attention. I don't know, Mike. I just don't know. So I, I, I'm skeptical. I believe there's probably other life. Probably there have been alien vehicles here. Probably there, there are still. I would think that some of them might have thought of something as simple as Star Trek did with the cloaking technology at some point. So most of the time they're not seen. But then again, I don't know. And, and by the way, how many people actually look up at the sky anymore? That was a question I had the other day on uh, Union of the Unwanted when somebody brought up the aliens and stuff. And I said, well, you know, as far as uh, being a kid, I remember, again, you and I being kids at about the same time, Mike. We might look up at the sky. We might take the time to do that. We might hear a noise over our heads and look up. But nowadays, so many kids are looking down at these little stupid rectangles and uh, stupid phones, you know, smartphones, whatever, their their fondle slabs, tablets, you name it, that, you know, even if there was aliens flying over most kids' heads, would they notice it? 
they have every opportunity to photograph it because almost everybody, you know, has access to some sort of small camera that they can put right in their pockets via these smartphones, at least in North America. And yet, would they ever actually get photographed normally? Uh, who knows? Maybe a lot of things have gone by overhead and nobody's taken notice of it, much like chemtrails, you know. Anyways. Mike, I know I just said a whole bunch of crazy stuff, but uh, what are your thoughts? Should we take a break real fast and give people a final synopsis well, I, on this or what? I could sum it up and close it out, close it out pretty easy. Well, whatever you want to do, Mike. You know what? It's it's your time. We, we haven't quite gone an hour yet, or we have gone about an hour, so I don't know. Maybe, you, maybe you're sick of hearing my voice by now. I wouldn't blame you. But, uh, no, I just I don't have <laughs> but one little thing to add. That's all. Well, uh, look, let, let, let's, just, let's just go to a quick break real fast. And, uh, and and let's get ourselves organized and give people and tie a bow on this little present, this interesting discussion, because I don't think I've ever sat here and talked to you about stuff like UFOs before for a full hour. <laughs> and I never asked you about Star Trek. So, you know what, we'll just take a quick short break here on the Ocelli Effect. Mike Swanson and myself will be back right after this. Revelation through conversation. WallStreetWindow.com Gold, silver, the stock market. WallStreetWindow.com Perhaps you're invested deeply. Perhaps you're not in deep enough. Maybe you're thinking about getting started. WallStreetWindow.com Michael Swanson, the brilliant author of The War State understood these trends professionally for many years and now he gives you the benefit of his knowledge wallstreetwindow.com go there now go there now go there now This is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and you're listening to the Ocelli Effect at Ocelli.com. Go ahead, Colin. Hey, I'm interested in the truth about the JFA assassination. Right. Well, what do you want to know? Judy Baker's wild claim, Oswald girlfriend, she knew Ruby and Barry, cancer weapons. Really? I imagine I could claim I have four wheels. It doesn't make me a wagon, but okay. Oswald was on the kill team and trying to prevent the murder of John Kennedy. Come on now. Has a real effort on the JFA assassination built into her claims? Go to Amazon.com. Enter Judith Baker in her own words, you'll get results for a digital copy of a book where Walt Brown utilizes her own words and the known evidence in the case to get at, well, <laughs> a different perspective, let's say. You can get Judith Barry Baker in her own words from the author himself, signed if you request it, by contacting Dr. Brown at KIASJFK at AOL.com. It's a fun book and it actually dissects the many, many fantastic claims. Judith Barry Baker in her own words. Thank you for all the great information. You're listening to the Ocelli.com radio network. Do you like history? Real history that you were never taught in schools. Why? The Vietnam War, nuclear bombs and nation building in Southeast Asia by author Mike Swanson with new documentation never seen before that will open your eyes to events that led up to this. Why? The Vietnam War, nuclear bombs and nation building in Southeast Asia, 1945 through 1961. Get your copy today at Amazon.com. 
Vietnam Why? The Vietnam War By author Mike Swanson Ocelli.com In Denial Secret Wars with Airstrikes and Tanks By Larry Hancock Secret wars became a staple of U.S. covert operations and are still happening today. Larry Hancock's book, In Denial, rips the cover off many of them. Using new files, it exposes things about the Bay of Pigs that no one has ever written about before. It shows why it really failed and why the United States did not learn from it. It also shows why other countries today are doing secret operations with more success. This is the book that puts what some want to deny into the light. In Denial, Secret Wars with Airstrikes and Tanks. Larry Hancock. For more information, go to Larry-Hancock.com. Pick up your copy of In Denial at Amazon.com in digital or physical form. The War State by Michael Swanson explains the great national transformation that took place and put the Kennedy presidency in the context of the times and reveals never-before-published information about the Cuban Missile Crisis. President Kennedy would not have been assassinated if he had been president 200 years ago. His assassination took place in the context of the Cold War and the rise of the national security state. Before World War II, the United States was a continental republic. In the decade that followed, it became an imperial superpower. Generals such as Curtis LeMay not only wanted to invade Cuba, but knew that there were short-range missiles on the island armed with nuclear warheads that they could not destroy because they were on mobile launchers. Their invasion could have led to a third world war, and they wanted to go to war anyway. The War State by Michael Swanson reveals why and will show you what President Kennedy was up against. For more information, thewarstate.com. Bring me 15 hookers now and get the drugs ready and take me to the private island. Nowadays, if they'd landed in trip ships wearing pink uniforms, going, uh-uh, tranny, 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 literally everyone would just kneel and go, oh. She goes up on a throne and craps, and they wipe her fat butt. Come on. China's going to let you... Revelation through conversation. Get ready, get ready for the Ocelli Effect. Final segment of the Ocelli Effect tonight here on a Thursday with my friend Mike Swanson, who I'm more than happy to point you to uh, WallStreetWindow.com. Be in the know. Go over there. Sign up for the free newsletter. Also, read his books. Now, he's written a bunch of them. Interesting uh, history of Danville, Virginia, uh, which I don't usually promote. Uh, some stuff on finance. But the two I do promote, The War State fascinating essential piece of reading uh and and i i may indeed have a copy or two of that with me when i go to dallas along with copies of why the vietnam war when i go to dallas uh and uh, who knows maybe we'll give away one or two on the show before i go um because i think you guys need to read that that's the first in a series of at least three or potentially three volumes on the vietnam conflict and it is a unique piece of work from a unique author Michael Swanson. Okay. Now that I've done the obligatory promos and all that, Mike, I got to say, 
Um, I, I did not expect to have an alien conversation with you or a UAP or UFO conversation with you. Uh, I, I wonder what you think about all this stuff, really, because we, we never discuss it. Um, I guess, you know, again, since you, you don't believe Oswald did it necessarily, uh, you must believe in little green men, right, Mike? I mean, <laughs> I brought that up. Uh, we, we talked about the evolution, the weird connections. You know, one last thing I'll mention before I, I let you tie a bow on this. Mike, if you don't mind, is remember the Majestic 12 nonsense that went on in the oh, JFK sure, research sure. community? You know, uh, JFK was killed because he was going to disclose that there were aliens. I mean, I don't know how stupid you had to be to buy that one. I mean, they had some fake documents rolling around that were clearly blatantly fake. You know what I'm saying? Uh, do you do you remember that stuff rolling around when it yeah, was kind of... I, I remember the at Majestic 12 yeah. documents. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> you know. Anyway, there, but there is a, this real-world connection with Chrisman and uh, and Bannister being tied to the Moray Islands deal, which, again, according to uh, well, according to Muckrock and according to many analysts, uh, was a complete fraudulent fake thing. The FBI has memos on it. I don't know how I feel about Moray Island or many of these other alleged incidents, but I'm sure sometimes there have been weird things that can't be explained that have happened. Uh, again, Larry Hancock's laid out a few interesting things in that book unidentified that have happened at military installations and in interactions with military personnel and the security state's reaction to it that is some fascinating reading but outside of that and the weirdness and the videos that we've seen released in the past couple of years i don't know man i i still remain kind of unconvinced in any direction as to what's actually happening regarding all of this uh what what are your what's your overall take well, I, I'm very skeptical of all these stories, and but I just say I dropped I dropped a link in the chat to uh, a hypnotism session done at Barney Hill, and I just say like the stories of people being abducted and all that stuff. This is the first story. All the other stories are copies of what happened to Barney mm. Hill. Where, where and, is that? Where is that link in the chat, Mike? I don't see it. Uh, I, I, Barney Hill hypno session. Oh, okay, because I don't see it in the. Uh, oh, wait a minute. There, there it is. Okay, it's a video, video link. Yeah, yeah, it's a video. Okay, and so, so in the live chat room at ocelli.com, there's a video link there, which uh, looks like a family picture, and that's apparently the one with the uh, hypno session. Yeah, that's session. them, and that's with them. their dog. Okay, and and this is a hypno session. So anyone, you know, if you put that in the show notes, people can listen to it, mm-hmm. judge for themselves. I'm highly skeptical of them. That said, people making YouTube comments are not. Uh, they say he screams at the 9 minute 30 mark, and it gave the person goosebumps. It must be real. Um, anytime you hear an abductee screaming in agony mm. during hypnotic regression, uh, you get chills on your spine. When you do, you know it's real. Right. Uh, so some these people making these comments like that, they're convinced. Um, but you can listen to it and judge for yourself. Well, I say, you know, look, obviously, um, you judge all these things for yourselves. I mean, I, I am, not, again, not claiming to know a damn thing about it, right? I mean, um, 
you know, you, you look back at uh, some of the official stuff because uh, somebody said, hey, were there other interviews conducted? I'm not sure. I'm looking at an obituary and a, a write-up at the University of New Hampshire. Uh, again, where I told you some of the uh, papers and uh, artifacts from them are, are stored there at the university because uh, Betty was apparently an alumni uh, of that uh, university. Uh, it also says she was a social worker, etc. I mean, these are interesting regular people. I don't think they really were out there seeking a lot of, like, notoriety, unlike some of the people I was talking about that were on the Geraldo shows and stuff like that later, who I think, you know, became uh, a queen and king for a day. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, they got on TV, and that was their big, their big moment, you know? Uh, a lot of things are possible. A lot of things are possible. And, I mean, what, what, what can I say? Uh, it's, it's a strange thing and, and who knows if we'll be able to track any of that down, uh, you know, personally. I mean, and it is weird watching Congress have hearings about it. And, uh, yeah. again, our, our mutual friend Larry Hancock is involved in a, a very serious study of, uh, you know, these things that have been witnessed sure, and accounted sure. for by the military all the way up to the 1970s. So maybe I should ask Larry next time I have him on in a couple of weeks about uh, about what he thinks about this, you know, the abductions and stuff. I, I'm sure that that's not the area that his people are working on, but what the hell, I can ask him about it anyway, right? Oh, sure. <laughs> and uh, look, I'm open to any kind of discussion. And this this was definitely a weird one, Mike. I didn't expect, like I said, to, uh, to, to have this conversation with you. But uh, what the hell? I've taken you over time, and I've taken all you people over time tonight on the Ocelli Effect. But again, go over to WallStreetWindow.com. I'm sure Mike won't be writing about aliens unless something comes out in these hearings, in which case he might report about it on his newsfeed. But other than that, Mike, I don't see uh, articles on aliens coming up in your near future or uh, UAPs or UFOs or the X-Files, uh, unless there's something I don't know. I mean, tell me. Well, unless something, not that I know of, and I hope not, because then something crazy is happening. Well, either that or Project Bluebeam, which is something we could discuss one day where people told me they were going to fake an alien invasion and all that. Uh, and it was definitely coming, and it was supposed to have come in 2012. They were going to do it, you know, alongside of the Mayan calendar, right? <laughs> And all that. <laughs> anyway, look, I know I've had a little fun and I've laughed a few times, but I had a great conversation with Mike Swanson, yeah. and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, good talk with you. Anyways, I am merely Ocelli, and all of you are indeed the effect. Get involved at Ocelli.com and uh, get in on the, the the swag program over there. I'm not selling anything, but I've got stuff to thank you for being a supporter if you chip in and support. And we could use it over at Ocelli.com to keep things rolling. So I am Ocelli, and you are all indeed the effect. Good night.